welcome to the Daily Reprieve, where we provide essays, speaker meetings, workshops, and conferences in podcast format. We are an ad-free podcast. If you enjoy listening, please help us be self-supporting by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and drop a dollar or two into the virtual basket. Please consider donating monthly by clicking the Donate Monthly button. However, one-time donations are always welcome. Just click the Donate Now button. Now, without further ado, this episode of The Daily Reprieve. Okay, um, my name is Kathy, and I'm a sexaholic. Grateful to be recovering in this program, and um, my sobriety date is January 7th, 1993, and I'm so grateful to, and really just in awe, and uh, incredible awe that um, I just uh, celebrated 25 years of um, SA sobriety and uh, going to talk about what it was like, what happened, and what it's like now, uh, maybe not in that order. <laughs> but I could just say that um, my life after sobriety uh, completely changed and um, that uh, I, my higher power directed me into um, a life that was worth living and the life that I've meant to be living um, because of sobriety. And um, when I came into SA in 19, actually I came in in 1991 after having um, a series of acting out um, situations with men outside of my marriage, um, I uh, didn't think really that I belonged here. I really was kind of you know, kicking and screaming, I thought, well, I, I don't know what those guys are talking about, and I don't really belong here. And um, um, But I had been, uh, it would, had been suggested to me by someone who was my sponsor in my other um, major program that I'm in, Tulsa program, that I try SA. And so um, I did come in, and I um, uh, did not get sober right away. And um, I was trying to think of how long it took. It probably was about a year and a half of me, um, again, just, okay, I'll, I'll try to be sober. But then um, being, um, you know, drawn in again by the um, bye-bye addiction and uh, to, um, uh, to men outside of my marriage. And, um, you know, finally, uh, I just, um, you know, really hit a wall with acting out with a friend of my husband's. And um, when my three-year-old son was asleep upstairs, and um, I, uh, you know, that was because of the fact that I was going to SA and I knew that other people were sober and I heard that uh, by that time I had heard plenty of women who had a similar story to me. So I couldn't say I didn't belong. And um, that I knew that, um, you know, I was sort of at that precipice. You know, I wanted to keep on doing what I was doing. I wanted to keep on pursuing men outside of my marriage. Um, but the pain was so great. And the, and the vision right in front of me of the way that my life could be better because of all the recovered people I saw around me in SA, um, you know, I, I got sober that day on January 7th. And, um, uh, you know, I did feel like I was taking a step off the cliff, like it says in our literature. And I thought, well, my life is over. You know, I, I'm not, I'm never going to be happy again. Uh, this was after I was, I had been married at that point for, 
I guess about seven or eight years, and um, I had a son, and I thought, well, you know what, life, I'm never going to have a good time again. I, I'm going to be just, um, my life is going to be boring, and um, I just don't know what there is out for me, what there is out there for me to be happy about. And um, I'm just so grateful that my higher power brought me to that moment of, uh, which, of course, I didn't realize I was going to be, I was going to be sober for 25 years, but brought me to that moment of desperation that made me be willing to go to any lengths to stay sober. So, um, okay, so that's, that's what happened. That's how I found out about SA and how I, um, how I got sober. Um, and sobriety for me, um, being a married woman is not only, um, abstaining from all of those things that I was addicted to from relationships and pursuing relationships with men outside of my marriage, but also um, it was um, no longer masturbating. Uh, It was no longer, you know, um, letting myself be involved with any kind of media that would um, get me, set me off, that would trigger me. Um, It meant that I needed to... um, focus on taking the actions of love in my relationship. And my husband did take me back, and, um, and it was a very hard road for, for a little while. Um, but he was a very, he's a very loving man, and he did take me back, and um, as I continued to stay sober. And um, through working the steps and staying sober in this program, I've um, just... Uh, as I said, just living a life second to none today. Um, and taking those actions of love is a, was a very, very hard thing to do because I, I didn't feel loving towards my husband. I felt this in, very strong feeling of being deprived of something that I wanted to do and something that, you know, connect with me and make me whole. I mean, that, I just, just reading the problem and the solution, I, it's, I feel like it's written for me. Um, cause it basically tells my story. And, um, and so I, uh, I'm just so grateful that I had an, the essay program available to me in the Boston area where I lived at the time and a lot of people who were sober and that my, uh, I went to as many meetings as possible during the week and just really immersed myself in the program because, um, you know, I, I, uh, this addiction had proven to me that I could not do it by myself and I couldn't trust myself to stay sober by myself. Um, so uh, previous to um, being an SA, um, I probably started having a problem with, um, with addiction. When I was six and seven years old, I do remember acting out with myself at a young age um, and once I hit puberty and adolescence, I um, started uh, obsessive relationship, not relationships, obsessive fantasies and pursuing of boys. Um, and, you know, that, could, that, that really was almost normal in a way because, because, you know, it was normal for girls in junior high, whatever, to have a crushes. But my crushes went much further. Um, I really was stalking boys at, even at that age, at the age of, you know, 12 and 13. Um, uh, all I wanted was to have a boyfriend and to have attention. Uh, I um, had just one crush after another, and as I say, stalking boys, calling them on the phone, following them home, etc. Um, I um, 
had my first boyfriend at 16, I thought, you know, my life had just completely, like the light went on. I just felt like this is the most wonderful thing in the world. And, um, you know, that, again, looked like a normal relationship on the outside. And I had a succession of, you know, quote, unquote, normal relationships, normal boyfriends, whatever. Um, but, you know, this disease progressed. And um, so I had boyfriends. Um, I got... Um, recovered in my other program, my food program, when I was 22 years old, and that was when I got thin and when I felt as though um, it, it, everything just broke loose with this addiction once I put down the food. And I was at that point living in an apartment with other young women, and I was, um, so this is, you know, in the 80s, um, answering personal ads in this Boston newspaper I put a personal ad in more than once, uh, meeting uh, men who, you know, I did not know, uh, having men over to my apartment, and that was why I was asked to leave the apartment by these other women who said they, they just felt unsafe having me there, bringing all these men in. Um, I was, to me, you know, I look now, it was an insatiable need. It was insatiable. And I, I didn't know that at the time. I just thought, well, this is what I want. You know, I want guys to like me. I want to be in relationships. Um, and, you know, it, it's now that I'm in SA, I, I realize that, it, you know, it's more than just the physical need. It was more than just the acting out. It was more, it was that deep, deep, deep need, just a really, really deep need. And um, wanting attention, wanting to have that hit, wanting to have the guy just really, really, you know, fall in love with me, whatever. So I um, went from, you know, uh, as I say, boyfriends to wanting to have multiple people at a time, almost like having a stash as an alcoholic. So I was um, just, you know, would date one guy and then try to meet another guy and just one after another. I went to nightclubs. I went home with guys um, from at nightclubs and bars. Um, my higher power saved me from anything happening to me that was, you know, destructive. Uh, but I almost got myself in trouble a few times. And um, as I say, I met, I met guys on the MTA. I met guys on the, on the subway. I would, you know, go and I would date them. Um, just it was basically anything and everything. Um, I, I just could not get enough of that. And so the, as you can see, that's my primary addiction um, is serial relationships um, with men. But, uh, you know, as I say, I also had addiction to, to, uh, to media, um, which at the time was, you know, books and TV and movies. Um, I, uh, you know, was uh, unable to not masturbate. Um, but my primary thing was uh, this pursuit, this constant pursuit of men. And um, I met my husband uh, when I was 25, and um, he was kind of one of the guys that I really wasn't, you know, he didn't, like, light my fire. And I had dated guys like him before who were really, really good guys and really, really nice to me. And, you know, he really, he, he was just like, I, he was a really great guy and a really nice man. And I um, didn't really even feel that attracted to him in that sort of, like, zoom, zoom way I was used to, you know, with the guys that I would go after. And um, 
But by the grace of God, I, I ended up marrying him. And about a, about a year and a half later, we got married. Um, what was going on in my mind, even as I got engaged, is I thought to myself, I'm never going to date, be able to date anybody else again. Now, I don't know if that's a normal thought. <laughs> I don't know if it is, um, but that's what I thought. And I think it isn't a normal thought, but I thought I'm never going to be able to date anybody else again. So even though I wanted to get married um, and, I, and I knew that he was a good person for me, I still was in the addiction in my head. Um, we got married. I was often attracted to my husband's friends. Nothing happened. There was nothing that came any, any, anywhere near being inappropriate or anything like that. Um, Full focus was on, you know, having children. I was um, infertile for a period of time, and so there was a lot of emphasis on that, and a lot of my energy went into that. Um, I did get pregnant. I did um, have my son, um, uh, and I was home, I guess, about maybe a year I didn't work, and then decided to go back to my company and um, work part-time. And that's when um, the disease kicked in. It's almost like um, it, had been, it, it had been progressing inside of me. And then once I went back to work, I, I don't know what made it click. I have no idea and it doesn't matter. Um, I started um, an a- absolutely, I had absolutely powerless over this, um, it, you know, obsessions that I started getting uh, about men that I worked with. And I pursued this one guy for about a year, and he, you know, did not ever acknowledge me. And then um, there was someone else that um, I pursued who did. And so here I was at my job, working in an office. Um, I had a cubicle. Um, the man, man that I was acting out with um, was had an office. And so I, I can't believe that people didn't know what was going on. I can't believe they didn't. And um, so I, um, this was just about this time that I, uh, that I heard about SA. Uh, my husband was aware that something was wrong. Um, he could see that I had lost interest in him. Um, he was uh, just getting, getting vibes. I can't remember exactly what happened, but I know that he... He knew that something wasn't working in our marriage, and um, he uh, later told me that he was starting, you know, was looking into into lawyers, uh, thinking that we, you know, we there was something going on with me and other men, and he thought did not see that I wanted to end that, and so he was starting to look into getting divorced, and here was my three-year-old son, um, so. As I say, I got into SA, uh, a very strong, uh, very, very strong group of, of people in the Boston area, Boston and Cambridge area, and, um, and a lot of people, a lot of men, uh, and a, a few women, uh, but certainly the women that were there had sobriety, and there were uh, quite a number of men who had strong sobriety, and I'm very, very, very grateful for that, um, that I had those meetings to go to. So... Um, but I, as I say, I had periods where I was willing to stop acting out, and then there was this situation where my, with my husband's friend, this man who he had just met, um, and who started coming to visit us, who was single. And a, a, as soon as I met him, I felt that, as it says in our literature, quote unquote, chemistry. Um, 
and uh, I know now that he had, you know, uh, he was a, um, a sexaholic in some in, in some, uh, some form, um, or he wouldn't have been willing to act out with a married woman. So um, that's what happened, is that, is that acting out occurred, um, and then it uh, got back to my husband, and everything um, fell apart after that. And uh, I was in SA, and that is when I um, really surrendered. Uh, uh, the pain was so great. And it was, um, it was the pain of this disease, of this addiction. And it's, it's a mixed pain because I, I, it was the pain of knowing that my marriage might end, but it was just as much the pain of knowing that this man, um, the friend of my husband's, was disgusted by what had happened and was um, going to just, you know, didn't want anything else to do with me. So that's why well, I was part of the pain, too. And uh, whatever the pain was, it drove me to be willing to get sober. And um, as I said before, I, I, I couldn't imagine my life on the other side of that. I really couldn't. And um, I didn't think I had a problem with masturbation. I didn't see why I had to stop doing that. And my sponsor said, it doesn't matter whether you think you have to or not. You're just going to stop. That's part of our sobriety. That's our sobriety definition. And if you want to be sober in SA you're going to stop masturbating. And um, so uh, I was willing to do that because the pain was so great. And, you know, I'm very grateful for that. There's, for me, there's no middle ground with this addiction. There's no middle ground. I can't moderate. I can't do this myself. I can't, well, a little bit of this, a little bit of that. It's okay if I flirt. It's okay if I, you know, um, if a guy, t- you know, if I touch a guy in the arm, if I, you know, do something a little bit, that's outside of, you know, maybe somebody else could do it, but for me, I can't do it. So in my marriage, you know, there's no physical contact with other men. I mean, except for, you know, a friend of a family and we're hugging or whatever it might be if, they're, if they've just come in or they're just leaving. But, um, you know, or shaking hands or whatever. But, there, but there's, no, um, there's no contact, and I'm very, very careful about... Um, about, you know, it, just interaction with men in general because I know that I have a very, uh, is it a low threshold? I think that's what it is. A low threshold for, um, for, this, uh, for this addiction creeping right back into my life. Um, the way I work my program today is I, um, I don't live in an area where there, are, um, where there are meetings that I can get to easily. So um, I do go on phone meetings. Uh, this phone bridge has been wonderful. Um, I sponsor um, women in SA, and I have a sponsor who I call every single day and commit to my sobriety. Um, and I do service in uh, in our program, and um, so that, in addition to working the steps, and and all of those things have have kept me sober. And I um, never want to be in a place where I think that I'm cured, or um, and it's, it it can be easy to get there because when there aren't a lot of temptations around, you know, I. I I'm, I'm retired now, but I've worked at home. Before that, I worked at home for about 10 years, so I wasn't in, you know, the environment with, with other, other people very much. And so it, it would be easy for me to think I've got this licked. But it's, it's, that's why it's so important for me to stay close to the program so that um, I never think I've got it licked. I always want to, um, 
I always want to keep it green and remember where I came from. So it's important for me to tell my story on a periodic basis and to share it with, you know, other, other women in the program. So, so I'm very, very grateful to be sober. Again, I can't do it by myself, and I need this program every single day, and I'm so grateful for my higher power that led me here. So thank you for letting me share. I would like to thank you for listening to this episode of The Daily Reprieve, the best source for experience, strength, and hope for SA members. Please subscribe to this podcast to be alerted of new episodes. Please show your support by donating to The Daily Reprieve by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and choosing either monthly donations or a one-time donation by clicking Donate Now. Thank you for listening, and stay tuned for the next episode of The Daily Reprieve.